You're listening to the podcast, So You Want to Be a Writer, with Valerie Koo and Allison Tate. Valerie is an author, journalist, and national director of the Australian Writers Centre, which is one of the world's leading providers of online and classroom courses for people who want to get published and write with confidence. Alison Tate is a freelance writer, blogger, and author of the best-selling series, The Mapmaker Chronicles. She has more than 20 years' professional writing experience. Each week, they explore the world of writing, publishing, and blogging to bring you news and opportunities, advice on how to succeed in the world of writing, interviews with top writers, and much more. With students enrolling from all over the world, you can find out more about the Australian Writer Centre at writercentre.com.au. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 183 of So You Want to Be a Writer. My name's Valerie Koo, and I'm here with Alison Tate. What exciting thing have you done today, Al? Oh, gosh, <laughs> exciting? Um, yeah. Mm, uh, I'm getting my paperwork in order for the end of the financial year. Okay, I'm not sure that's exciting, but okay. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's the kind of day I'm having. That's about mm. the highest level of excitement that we can possibly manage. So, Well, you know. I'll tell you a secret. Okay, hit me. I actually do find that exciting. I know you do. You see, it, that's not even a secret. And you know what? I could have written that answer for you because I'm just going to go, <laughs> she's going to tell me that she loves it and I know she does. If you love it so much, I don't understand why you don't come and do it for me. <laughs> I, know, I know I am several hours away, but nonetheless – I love end of financial year. Oh, I just, that's, that's weird. I know. <laughs> yeah, and I just, I don't know. I think I, I also find that a lot of um, exciting and often potentially life-changing things happen on, at end of financial year on the 30th of June. Because oh. you are, yeah, because you are forced to make, because 30th of June is such a deadline. It's a financial deadline, obviously. Um and you are forced to make decisions that are going to impact often your finances, obviously, in your life, and you are forced to make them that day. You might have been pondering them for months, but then you have to make them if you want to make it, uh, if you want to take advantage of a particular tax deduction or you need some kind of investment to be, you know, accounted for in a particular year or whatever. So I actually find it's such a catalyst for so many things in life. There you go. Okay, well, that's great. I find it. Cat- <laughs> I'm really happy for you. I find it a catalyst for, you know, actually doing my filing. So that's not a bad thing. Like it does. Okay, I, I yeah. usually end up with a clean desk. So let's, you know, that's a that's a pretty good thing, isn't it? And yes. um, we've actually, like, I'm just remembering. I'm casting back through my mind, and I know that you've actually written posts about this tax business for freelance mm-hmm. writers and for um, all sorts of, you know bits and pieces because you do love it and you like mm-hmm. to share your love on a regular basis. So I'm actually going to go through and I'm going to put some of those in the show notes for this um, for this particular episode because if you are particularly a freelance writer uh, or a mm. new freelance writer and you're wondering what you need to know about it, um, I'm, I'm putting it in because if you haven't got managed to get it all in place now because, of course, we are like bang on the end of the financial year, <laughs> um, yes. then you will have – like a plan for next year. And you know what? Valerie would love you to have a plan. Yes. And a spreadsheet. And a spreadsheet. (laughs) (laughs) You don't need to go that far, but just have a plan. (laughs) 
<laughs> so, but we should do that. We'll, we'll put some links in the show notes to um, any kind of relevant posts that we have that for Australian freelance writers and to help you sort your tax out. That's going to be my fairy godmother moment of the day right there. Awesome. Love it. We're in sync, Al. So anyway. <laughs> that's why we, this works so well. <laughs> that's exactly. So we have a mini-sode today and in on our mini-sode we have uh, a writer in residence and our writer, uh, not our writer, our writer in residence is Andrew Marmont and we figured it was a good time to release this interview with Andrew because it is kind of, you know, this time of year, I have to say, I kind of become like a footy widow. Is that what they call it? Because on like Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday, usually Sunday afternoon, I am kind of left to my own devices because a certain person in this household is making all of the pets watch football with him. He makes the pets watch. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But <laughs> well, he watches that, it too, obviously. Surely he's they not going to make me watch it. Surely they could just wander off if they wanted to, or do they get made to sit there? Well, I think he's like tells them to sit there, and usually <laughs> they do. <laughs> maybe they like it, Valerie. Maybe they're actually I, secretly loving it. Well, maybe I don't know, but um. Well, yeah, yeah, it's not something that I necessarily watch, but I do appreciate that some people are obsessed with their own sport. And one such person is Andrew Marmont because he has written this book. I have it in my hand, believe it or not. It's called Their Finest Hour. And uh, it's, it's, it's um, a history of the Rugby League World Cup in 10 matches. Now, Andrew grew up obsessed by rugby league, so this is a bit of a dream come true that he's an, he's been able to uh, research this book, meet some of his heroes, and then write a book that has been published by ABC Books in partnership with uh, HarperCollins. And... Um, uh, and it's an interesting process, actually. It's a history. It's 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 about ten matches, and we had a good old chat about how he went about uh, researching the book, how he went about fitting in writing it uh, around his day job, and also how he um, structured it and spent his time so that he was able to um, write this book as well as do his regular work. So let's have a listen to Andrew. Thanks for joining us today, Andrew. My pleasure, Valerie. Now, congratulations on your new book, Their Finest Hour, A History of the Rugby League World Cup in 10 Matches. Wow. Now, (laughs) that kind of (laughs) says it all, but perhaps you can tell us why you wanted to write this book. Well, uh, I've always really enjoyed sport, Val, and I, for a long time, uh, wanted to write about this particular topic, which is the international version of the game of rugby league, uh, because I felt like there's a lot of interest and talk around the club side of rugby league, so the National Rugby League. But in terms of the history of the game, uh, there hasn't really been a book that I've picked up that's been one of these accessible narrative style books rather than a sort of dry history book. So I thought, look, there's a there's a, a an idea here. Uh, there's 
hasn't been anything like it done previously. And the World Cup event itself is coming to Australia at the end of the year. So I thought with a bit of, uh, you know, a bit of thinking and a bit of process, then, uh, yeah, something's I wanted to write it for a long time. And it's just sort of come this way that we've managed to do so. And so you are obviously a big rugby league fan. <laughs> yes. And you're, you've followed it since you were very young. Um, and you also write about sport, is that right? Yes, yeah. So I write for uh, some rugby league publications, so big league in Australia and in the UK, rugby league world. And, you know, previously I've written for cricket and soccer and AFL and other sports as well. And so there's this sort of um, stereotype uh, of sports writers and stereotype of sports reporting that it's a little bit formulaic, you know, you, you express things in a certain way because you do have conflict, you do have a match, you have teams or tribes and you have a, a, a victory. <laughs> yes. So how do you go about trying to make your writing about sport different or to stand out from because there is some you know formula writers out there mm. oh, it's I've actually never thought of it like that Val before I mean I, I in terms of a style of writing I've always enjoyed some different authors that have in, in sport but also you know novelists so you know Jeffrey Archer I used to love the way that he told a story um, you know David Baldacci and then there's some different sports writers that are just really really well that they write in certain ways and I guess so for me it was just about finding that voice and making sure that I've got a strong voice that I know that um that I can paint a picture and and I can evoke the passion that I feel for the story as much as the people that I'm interviewing as well and I, I think that when if that all comes across then the author oh, sorry the readers are going to kind of think look this person first of all he, he knows what the subject matter is but also he's really engaged with it and he wants to share it and that comes across in the pages so yeah I try and paint a picture and get people that perhaps might not be interested in the sport uh, feeling like they want to read on through uh, anecdotes, through yeah, painting that picture. What was it like? How were they feeling? Um, why were they feeling it that way? And and that way, hopefully, it sort of continues on. So you just get involved and swept up in the story. I mean, there, there's a great magazine called Inside Sport, and yes. when I I've been uh, it's been great. I've managed to write a, a three articles for them um, over the last twelve months, and one of their assistant editors said to me in terms of long form writing, which I guess could be a book. Um, the advice was uh, that really it's about um, the story. It's not so much about, uh, you know, I guess the formula as, as you were saying, Valerie, mm -hmm. but it's about why is the story interesting? Why is it unique? Why would someone want to read it even if they're not sports fans? You know, what makes it interesting? Mm -hmm. So I've, I've sort of used that and, and, and yeah, and I guess put it across the, the, the That is matches. the key, isn't it? Why would somebody who isn't a sports fan want mm. to read it? And you've certainly painted a many of these matches because you've got these 10 matches that you cover. You've, you've used a narrative that is very much like, you know, good feature writing essentially. Now, when you have to compile all the information, interview all these people over a period, quite a period of time and over 10 different scenarios. How, how did you approach your research? Did you kind of 
think, oh, okay, I'll do this chronologically. Did you do, I'll just interview who I can get whenever I can get them. How did you then, once you got your bits of information and your stories from various people, your interviews from various people, your anecdotes, put them in a spot so that when it came time to writing, you had them ready? Sure, I can hear your cat in the background. I'm sure she's uh, interested as well. I yes, guess my, my cat is very interested in this book, it seems. He's a rugby league fan. Well, that he's actually my poor cat. He's made to watch uh, many AFL games and only the uh, Manly Warringah games for rugby okay. league. So he's probably chiming in with some opinions of his own. I do like them. Please tell him. I do. I think he's got a very valid opinion what he was just saying. Um, well, the way that I approached it was, yeah, it was chronological. So I, I looked at when did the first World Cup start? It was 1954. And then um, then I looked at – so uh, I went basically to the National Library of Australia, which if you haven't been, it's this amazing building in Canberra uh, it, where they treat – it's a, it's more than a library. I mean, they don't have people getting the books off the shelf. You know, you you order the different books, and it comes on a conveyor belt. Um, mm. it's, a, it's so it's just an amazing resource. So essentially, I, I spent oh, a good couple of weekends there reading, really, because because I mean, I, I, more my uh, knowledge was mainly around the last sort of twenty to thirty years. I didn't profess to have a deep understanding of the earlier stuff, so I. Basically, I spent a bit of time reading uh, what was what was happening, who was playing, uh, what you know, what the results were, and got a sense of that. And then, from then on, yeah, set a sort of project plan. I, I set uh, a, a chapter a month um, over sort of twelve months as a first draft, and oh. uh, because you know I, I quite like structure, um, and if I give myself that goal, then I know roughly speaking, then I'd be able to to sort of work towards that and it kept me it kept me moving um so that that's really how i approached it i wanted to try and be concise once i knew what i was doing and then simply reading watching different matches watching old matches and then i could sort of at that time pick out a few different key people over those who played in those world cups or played in those matches uh approach as many as i could uh because you know you've just got to do that and Mm -hmm. like yeah and I managed to speak to a number of, of players, you know, even in the 50s and the 60s and 70s and so forth. Now, you must have interviewed uh, as a result of this book some of your heroes um, and presumably presumably also in your work as a sports writer, you interview some people that really, you really admire. Um, uh, what happens when that happens, when not just do you interview somebody who's, you know, a captain of a current team, that's pretty easy. But when you interview somebody who you, as a child you looked up to, did, were, you, did you, were you a fanboy at all? <laughs> Is there anything you needed to do to avoid being a fanboy, stay professional? Oh, that's a good question, Valerie. Um, well, really, uh, so, for example, Wally Lewis, um, I spoke to Wally, and even though I grew up mainly in New Zealand, most of my adult years have been in Australia. So I knew of Wally and um, because, you know, he's someone that is an example, you know, you hear on TV and, you, and you've watched some of his, his uh, performances. Uh, I really just tried to treat it as a conversation. And, and if they were able to give me their time, then I, yeah, just try to make it as uh, engaging as possible and, and just spoke to them like they were a normal person, which is easier said than done because mm-hmm. uh, it can be quite daunting. And I, I figured that the more that you do it, uh, the more that 
you're able to develop that skill just to be someone who's there to have a chat. And it, it yeah, so Wally, it was fantastic. He, we spent 45 minutes on the phone in the actual, in the first interview. And we've sort of chatted after this because he provided a quote at the back of the book, which was fantastic. So really, really it's, it's sort of removing yourself from the fan boy, which mm. uh, yeah, can be tricky. And then just sort of say, look, we're here to do a job because it's their time that you're taking up as well. It's your time, yeah. so uh, it's not just a chat with a friend. Like you're, you're, it's a it's a work related call. Sure. So you just said you um, uh, kind of gave yourself a month for each match, uh, which is you know a great way to approach it. You've got ten matches. That's ten months. Can you give us just a little idea of the timeline of you know I when you had the idea for the book. Um, at what point then did you pitch the idea to ABC Books? At what point did they come back to you with a commission uh, or, you know, with mm. a publishing deal? Just a bit of a timeline on the the, the, the birth and gestation and release of this book. <laughs> sure. Well, initially I had an idea for an international rugby league book that I pitched to another publishing company and uh, they they took it. And they said, look, it's an interesting idea. However, we're we're sort of a smaller company or we're a unique com- a, a niche company and we can't take a chance for commercial reasons on essentially a new author, which is which is fine. So that to me said, look, the idea is good, but perhaps the house uh, it, there could be a, a, a form for that. So then as it turns out, I, I looked at um, literary agents. And one of them, it turns out, if get this, Valerie, it was my cousin's best friend's mother is a top wow. literary agent, okay. uh, Debbie. And I had a chat with her, and obviously it's her it's her day to day job, so she wasn't gonna she's gonna tell me yes or no. So we had a further chat. She took it to uh, different people, and yes, at, at Harper Collins. Uh, so it probably took about three or four weeks. She, uh, I had to do a proposal, so about a 30-page document that went through what was the book about, why was it unique, who was doing similar things, uh, what yeah. would the target market be, all that kind of thing, even and even a, a sample chapter and social media, everything like that. And that sort of came about another couple of weeks. It's probably a couple of months uh, since the initial uh, pitch to uh, my literary agent, and then from there, I yeah, we got hold of um, Harper Collins, uh, Helen, uh, who's been my, my publisher, Helen Littleton. She came down. She was in Melbourne. I managed to have a chat with her. I pitched the idea, sold the, sold the idea to her, and she took it away to her sales team. And initially, it, it was about just the pure history of the of the international rugby league. Uh, story and she sort of said oh well why don't we make it a bit more commercial or commercially sounding and let's let's do a world cup uh, because there was a book that they had published over in the UK uh, it was 21 years of the English Premier League and mm. they did that book in the same style of 10 matches so I had a mm. read of that and it, it sounded like a really easy way to do it well sorry it was a more accessible way to do it should I say mm. so from there uh, yeah we talked and in, in, in the end that was that was the idea so probably all up it took about oh, two or three months from the initial sort of pitch and re and work and and eventually yeah we, we decided that it was it was a go ahead which was which was such an exciting day I remember it vividly yes what do you remember what you were doing when you got the call 
Well, I was I was at work uh, down St Kilda Road, and uh, and where's Debbie- work? Oh, so work, it it used to be uh, for a recruitment consulting company. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we worked out of St. Kilda Road. And uh, so uh, Debbie came along, my agent, and we sat down in a cafe downstairs. And uh, she was with her, her son. And uh, who sort of worked around the corner, and he wanted to come and see what the what the fuss was about. So we yeah we signed the, the signed the contract there, and uh, it was just a, it was just a lovely moment. Yeah, where uh, something that I thought uh, as a boy, you know, uh, could this sort of happen, and it ended up yes. with a bit of gumption, managed to get, get Fantastic. there. Fantastic. So you're working in a recruitment company, and at the time, were you writing freelancing for Inside Sport and other places? Uh, yeah, so I was, but very sort of intermittently. So I'd had probably three or four articles published with different magazines. And, but my idea was that, I mean, I do all my freelance writing outside of work hours. Yeah. Uh, so it was, it was a way to sort of continue on with that. And, uh, yeah, once I got the contract and then it was just a case of writing when I could. Yes, so you would work during the day and then write basically after hours uh, for the 10 matches or the 10 months. So were you working in the recruitment company during that time and how did you then – did you then, because you say you like structure, kind of say I'm going to devote two hours a day or whatever? Well, I guess sort of the the first few chapters. The first chapter was was probably took me the longest because it was almost the litmus test. I needed to show that uh, the instructions were from Helen, my publisher, that we wanted something that was going to be commercially interesting, and it wasn't just going to be uh, you know a dry sort of book. It needed to be accessible for people and and tell the story. So having that mix of knowledge, but also the command of of, yeah, the ability to tell that sort of long form feature writing. So once we got that over the line and that was all sort of confirmed, then really it was just, yeah, once I picked the story, so I probably took a couple of months to to just understand what I wanted to focus on. Uh, certainly the, the first sort of 30 years or so, I wasn't really sure. So I spent time doing that and then it was a case of, uh, yeah, mostly, so most weekends I would write, uh, sometimes I would write during the week as well and I ended up having to schedule interviews at different times of the day and yeah. just you know on, on lunch breaks and and just when people were available and obviously then had to make sure that I uh, worked appropriately uh, with my recruitment job as well so they, they were very understanding obviously I, I mean I told them that I signed a book contract and uh, yeah they were they were excited too but also I, I said look you know obviously this is my job so I need to make sure that we uh, you know I do the right thing by you so yeah, a fair bit of juggling, and and obviously, uh, um, I had a very uh, understanding fiance who's who's now my mm-hmm. wife, who really helped uh, with that as well. Because yeah, if you do it by yourself, it can be quite a challenge. Now, of course, ABC Books is part of ABC Commercial and publishes in partnership with HarperCollins, so it's a you're associated with some great publishing houses. What then happened? You finish your manuscript after ten months, approximately. And when was that? And then what's the timeline after that? So it was, uh, I think it was December 2000 and, 
2014 from memory, and I, I was actually on really 2014. Okay. Yes, yeah, so I think I was in the Bahamas at that stage. I know it sounds very as glam- you do, as you do. Yes. <laughs> just, just like Ian, Ian Fleming, I think. Um, yes. Yes. So I'm pretty sure it was that time, and then from there, uh, it probably took about a year of uh, with sitting with uh, with ABC Books mm-hmm. uh, to because my deadline was I believe my deadline was March of 2015 okay. but I I sort of wanted to you know, I'd, I'd sort of been at that stage where I've looked at it so many times. I think I just need to hand it in yes. and see what comes of it. So I handed it in while I was on, while I was on holiday, and then uh, it took about a year for uh, the team there to come back to me and say, "Okay, we've had a look. Let's uh, let's have a, a sort of an edit." So there are a few sort of structural edits that happened, and uh, probably six are uh, a good, uh, yeah, six eight months of. Of the, that sort of editing, drafting, and it's in fact, what are we now? We're 2017, so yeah. really, it's take. It was probably about yeah, at least 12 months or longer of of going sort of back and forth um, yeah. to make sure. So just as I think, it's actually that date was 2015. So it's been about eight, right. yeah, 18 months of of sort of back and forth structural edits. And so, what's happening now? Are you still at the recruitment company? Uh, I've actually no. I decided about three months ago that I wanted to go into full time freelance writing and fantastic media work um, because it sort of coincided with the book launch, which or the book release, which is uh, actually today, June nineteenth, and in July uh, in New Zealand as well, and then yeah, UK in October. So I, I felt like it was the right time to just while all this was happening, uh, devote my, yeah, some energy into it and, and see where it went and, and hopefully continue writing on a more full-time basis, which is what I love. So what, are you working on another book? Well, there has been uh, someone who's approached me to write their uh, biography. Uh, a so rugby I'm, league person? Uh, well, more of a broadcaster. Um, okay. A me- media person so I'm sort of working my way through that um, but the main focus is really to do uh, as as much consistent work as I can with the rugby league uh, magazines and the, you know people like Inside Sport and and I guess other websites as well there's a, a website called Commentary Box Sports which uh, sort of lasted 12, 18 months come where I've you know managed to do some video work with them as well and, and do some regular writing. So yeah, it's just a mix of, of different um, yeah different types of work and then a bit of corporate writing as well, which has been fantastic too. So if you couldn't write about rugby league, what would you choose to write about? <laughs> Probably cricket. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. It, it only goes a couple of ways, Valerie. I'm sorry, but. Uh, <laughs> Well, how about we put it this way? If I could write, if sport was off the table, what would I write about? Okay, um, yes. Oh, I'd probably write about. Um, I'm interested in things like leadership and uh, and the way that um, organisations, uh, I guess, you know, startups and businesses that have done really well. I'm, I'm interested in in how you know high performing and high uh, highly successful people go about their their sort of business so perhaps something like that would be really interesting so someone like yourself Valerie you know um, uh, someone who's I guess created their own destiny I think that's that's always a really exciting and interesting story now finally what was the most exciting thing about this writing this book and what was the most challenging thing about writing this book I think the exciting thing was being able to speak to and 
network with and communicate with uh, a really wide mix of different people who are passionate about the subject matter that, that I'm writing about. Um, because that, to me, that that's the that stands out. If if I think about the book and all the different people that I wrote, you know, wrote about and who I spoke to, and and that's not just players, but also people who actually set up the events, so organisers and mm. CEOs and um, coaches. To me, it's it's almost like a, a labour of of love, where uh, you know, future generations, whether it's my kids or, or other sports fans, can kind of go, oh, look, you know, I really enjoyed learning about the history of a sport, maybe that I didn't know about. So for me, it's exciting to see something like that. Um, actually come to fruition and, and and hopefully sort of live on in terms of uh, now the other the other question that you had there was something that I wasn't so excited about okay no the the most challenging thing oh, sorry, about challenging. writing this book uh, challenging would be uh, probably bringing to life the some of the earlier games where I didn't really have a as great a handle on and Obviously, when you're going back further in time, it, it becomes a bit harder to track down people, yeah. uh, and therefore it becomes harder to, to really uh, bring that to life and, and to make sure that their stories get told appropriately. So mm-hmm. that was that was certainly the challenging. I mean, 1954, the, the you know the, the, I spoke to a, a player called Johnny Whiteley, who's over in the UK, who's 80. He must be 84 now, and he runs his own gym, and he. You know, he runs every day and he's just this sort of this marvel of a man. And, uh, you know, he told me his story right from the beginning. And so someone like that was able to do it. But, yeah, that, it was pretty hard because that's, what, 70 or oh, 60 years ago when yeah. there's not a lot, of, a lot of video around as well. So mm. yeah, it's hard to bring that together for sure. Well, it sounds like you've ended up with a book that you've absolutely thoroughly enjoyed writing because you're a rugby league nut. So (laughs) congratulations. It also goes to show that if you're really into something, you could end up, um, you know, on a project like this, which is, you know, pretty fantastic. Thank you, Valerie. Appreciate it. Yeah. Hmm. So congratulations. um, And thank you so much for your time today, Andrew. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks, Valerie. There you go, Andrew Marmont. Their finest hour is his book. That's uh, fantastic. Look, I love it. I love stories like that because I love it when people, you know, that's a realization of a of a very big dream. There, like he's written a book about the thing that you know that he's most passionate about, and I think that that's a fantastic, fantastic achievement. Yeah, so I absolutely. say go, Andrew. I love yeah, the go, fact Andrew. that. Yeah, I think it's I think it's brilliant. You know, I mean, I I I do watch some rugby league. I have to admit, I have long been watching rugby league. Yes. I was a little bit devastated by the injury of Jonathan Thurston in the second State of Origin game, and the fact that he's out for the rest of the season will devastate the North Queensland Cowboys. Um, but I just feel like, well, you know, it will. Val. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. yeah. I know that I know that all your family watching the rugby league without you just gives you more time to tie knots in your macrame, but. Yeah. <laughs> you know, this is big stuff for some people. Um, so, yeah, no, it's it's a big deal. And and I think that, um, yeah, there are a lot of people who are very, very passionate about sports like rugby league. So, you know, mm. let's hope they all write books because, you know, there should be more of it. All right. Fantastic. So as this is a mini-sode, we've come to the end of this week's mini-sode. Where do we find you online, Al? 
Uh, you'll find me at alisontait.com, A-L-L-I-S-O-N-T-A-I-T.com. You will find me on Twitter at, at altait, A-L-T-A-I-T. And you will find me on Instagram and Facebook at Alison Tate Writer. And what about you, Val? Where do we find you? You'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram. And just search for Valerie Koo on Facebook and find the one in Sydney. That would be me. And feel free to connect with me. We would love to hear your thoughts on the podcast. So do reach us, reach out to us on social media. And also, if you want any show notes, or um, have a look at soyouwanttobearwriter.com.au. And if you have a question you'd like us to answer on the podcast, then email us, podcast at writercentre.com.au. Thanks so much for listening and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Writer. You'll find the show notes at writercentre.com.au slash podcast or sign up for our awesome and often hilarious weekly newsletter at writerscentre.com.au slash news where you'll find writing resources, giveaways, competitions and much more.